we start each week looking back to the last time. And the last time that we met was actually last Sunday night. Uh, we did a listening exercise. We were going to do a listening exercise, but then it was really stormy and rainy. Rain blew over quickly. We didn't do it. But uh, we had the opportunity to do a listening exercise, which if you haven't done, I would love for you to do at some point. But if you use the listening exercise or if you were thinking about what we did two weeks ago, uh, I think the, these are basically the same questions. Have you spent any more time thinking about where do you see God at work? Uh, where and how are, is God working in the lives of people around you? Where in your neighborhood? How about where you work or wherever your place of vocation is? And then the, the second question is related to that. In light of how God has created you and the resources that you have, what do you do about that? Any new thoughts? Any new insights into what God is doing around you? Or how you could join God in what God's already doing? In most of the churches where I've served and led, we haven't celebrated wins like that. But that's really, really important. And I want to make sure that we are a community that says, as a parent, as an aunt, as an uncle, as a friend, it's a huge win. It's success. It's seeing God at work when the little ones around us are seeking after God. When we see their prayers change, when we see their attitudes towards spiritual things. That counts. That absolutely counts. It's not just the people who are out there and doing whatever that we want to try to win, but it's also the little people who are around us. Hugely important. So, good. Any other God sightings? Okay. This is something that we keep coming back to because it's really important. And this is part of what it means to live as a missional church, as a missional Christian, is to always be looking for what is God doing around you. And we'll talk a little bit about, uh, we'll continue talking about what and why. Now I, now I, now I, now, now, now I have to. Um Uh, I'll, I'll do it now. <laughs> do it now! Um, so, our air conditioning hadn't been working. Um, there was one day, probably two and a half, three weeks ago, where I was on Facebook, 
And one of my Facebook friends who grew up at the same church I did, he's about seven years older than me, posted on Facebook that after 20 years in the HVAC business, he finally got bit by a dog. And he was okay, the dog was okay, the owners were really concerned, are you going to sue? He's not that kind of guy. Um, but this is when I was having you know, the personal crisis with the air conditioner. So I saw his story, I thought, hey, I'm going to ask him an air conditioning question. It's like, you know, if you're a doctor or someone, I'll get to come up to you. Well, it hurts when I do this. Don't do that. Nicely done. You stole my punchline, but uh, that's okay. Um, so I, I, I sent Jay some messages, and we texted, and we talked on the phone, and he walked me through the initial fix, um, which was replacing a fuse. And then after about a year and a half, or not a year and a half, an hour and a half of running it, the fuse blew again, which means there's an electrical short someplace, and that's not what I wanted. Um, so we went on vacation, didn't want to have him fix it while we were gone. Uh, so when I got back July 3rd, I found out if, if Jay was available. Jay was free, and he came down. And we, we spent, well, when I say we, um, <laughs> he was working, I was talking to him, slowing him down. Um, spent almost three hours troubleshooting, saying, okay, well, if we run it for a little while... It'll short. He, he found that out. Okay, so then put in another fuse. Okay, what happens if we disconnect this wire? You know, And so we did that for a while. And the whole time we were talking about ministry, and he's a really solid Christian guy about some of the, the ministry that he's done. Um, in the winters, he goes down to Tijuana and builds houses and does things like that. And one of his comments was, I mainly do air conditioning. So I cannot make money here or I cannot make money there. So that's how he and his family go down for a couple, started out as a couple weeks, now it's a month or longer. Um, just really neat conversations, talking about that. Jay lives up in Maple Grove, so for Jay to come down to us in Bloomington was a haul outside of his normal area. And so when I initially made the call, I said, Jay, I understand that this is a long way for you. We're planning on paying you uh, when you come down, so don't do that front thing, you know. Um, and as he was leaving, he gave me a, a little envelope and said, this is what I want you to do. And inside this card was a pay it forward thing. If I wanted to pay him, the way I could do it was by giving money to a charity that he had selected. And, and that. So he spent all this time uh, when he could have been working on other stuff or working on home projects, but instead he did this. And so that was a cool thing in and of itself. But in this season, where money is incredibly tight for carrying me, but we know that God is speaking and we're listening, we know that this table and doing it the way we're doing it is what God wants us to do. And so I don't see it as a coincidence that I saw... Jay's Facebook post, we got into touch, um, and then we ended up getting the repair, which included a new thermostat and a new part inside the air conditioner condenser for free. Um, it may also turn out that I get to go speak at a confirmation class up in Fridley where he's volunteering for that. But we just saw it as God's goodness. We saw it as God's provision and this other thing on days like today air conditioning is really really nice uh, it's a luxury but we see God not just taking care of our needs but a lot of our wants as well and it's really really fun to be on this journey and so we were encouraged by that and he also invited the table to join him in Tijuana so no he did yeah, which I think is a cool connection you didn't want to bring that up there <laughs> that sounds fun. That's and my favorite part of the story. I wasn't sure which part you wanted me to share. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and there have been two connections within the last month where out of relationships people have invited me and by extension us to do missions work um, in Tijuana and also in Haiti. And I know that well, I don't know that you 
did you tell Jeannie about the Haiti thing? I did, and she's... Yeah, because Jeannie also has a heart for Haiti. So, so I would ask you to be in prayer for where we should serve and what that might look like. Be looking for opportunities where you already are, where you're living, where you're working, where you're serving already. Be looking for those things, but also be open to where God might want to send us. Because it's not just about here, and it's not just about over there, but it's about the whole world that God loves. So I'm excited. I'm really excited about what God is doing in us um, as individuals and also as a church. I was reflecting on something this morning, thinking about our size. And I had a thought that this would be much more difficult if I didn't have an experience about 10 years ago. Yeah, it's right around 10 years ago. I was working as an intern to finish up my Master of Divinity, so my seminary schooling. And I was working at Roseville Covenant. We were doing summer activities where we would go and serve. And I would find a service opportunity either every week or every other week. I don't remember. I think it was every week. Uh, and we would go and serve, and then we'd come back and debrief and talk about it. Uh, and it was really good. It was a ton, ton of work, but I was always disappointed with the number of people we had. It was always me, usually Carrie, and then I think the most we ever had in addition to us was like three people. And I was so discouraged. It's like, man, they, they said that they wanted me to do something about service, and so I was doing this, and then no one shows up. Um, and I, I think it was middle of July, after you know eight weeks of that sort of thing, and I was thinking, okay, it's not worth my time. I'm going to be done. And it was that week when I had decided that at the end I was going to say, oh, this is our last one. Someone, the person who came, uh, brought their husband and their kids, and she said to me, Greg, I'm so glad that you're still doing this. This is the first, I think it was Wednesday, first Wednesday of the summer that worked for us to do it. We, this is really important. We want you to keep doing it. Um, so thanks. And as God and I spent some time talking about that afterwards, God really impressed on me that it's not about the numbers. It's, it's not um, God's goal to have a huge flashy thing necessarily, but it's about the individual people that we make connections with. And so I don't know how you feel as you look around the table and you say, this is small. I wish there were more people here. I want you to know that I'm not disappointed and I'm not discouraged. Because God has impressed on me that it's not about being big and flashy. It's about making an impact and being true to who I am, true to who we are. And that I'm coming to understand that if the table is going to grow, it's not likely to start growing here. The growth at the table will start at your tables. It will start at your lunch table at work. It'll start uh, in your new kitchen when it's done, when you invite people over. It'll start on your patio. It'll start on your deck. It'll start in the dugout of, of the softball game where you're living life with people. And you're listening to their stories. And those stories absolutely matter. Those stories, those interactions where someone says, wow, this person loves Jesus and they care about me. I want to be around them more. And then they're going to figure out why and what. And then maybe at some point they end up coming to the table, but maybe not. Like Justin shared two weeks ago with his mom and dad and sister. They may never come to the table, but I count it as a win for the kingdom of God that this family who hadn't been going to church regularly in a long time is, and they're digging in. That's a win, and it doesn't change how we look on a weekly basis. But that's good, and that's what it looks like to be missional, where, yes, we want to see fruit, yes, we want to see growth. We're not going to work against it, but we not, may not see our work here. And what we're going to talk about tonight helps us with why some of this growth is difficult. So, as we go forward, I want to talk about the fact that 
We are in a different world than when God gave Moses, and Moses shared with the people the Shema, the scripture that was read from Deuteronomy 6. The Shema was something that was recited by every good Jew every day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it goes on to say how you should how you should remind and tell and instruct your children and your grandchildren. And you're supposed to have reminders of this so when you come to your house, you'll see it on on the, the corner of your doors. You see it because it's bound on your hand, on your forearm, on your forehead. Um, that was the shaman. It was recited every day. There's one God, and he's Lord of everything. At that point, God and Moses was combating polytheism. Even in Jesus' day, there was a God for everything. There was a God of fertility. There was a, a God of the woods. There was a God of the rivers. There was a God for crops. There was a God for war. And here, part of the reason that this is so revolutionary was God says, I am one, and I am God. There, you know, the first commandment, there is no other God beside me. And so we, in Jesus' day, they were fighting this even more so in Moses' day. But you think of the culture that Jesus and Paul uh, were in, where when Paul went to Athens and he was preaching to the in the forum with the, the different philosophers and he talked about, you know, as I walked through your city, I saw all these statues to all these different gods. And you, you were even so religious that you have one for the unknown God because you don't want to miss one. And he's going to, Paul then wanted to tell them about this one God who he didn't have named. His name is Jesus. And so there was this polytheism going on. And so now, monotheism, with the the three great monotheisms of the world being Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, for a long time those have been the dominant religions of the world. That's starting to change. Where now with globalization, there are so many more beliefs that we are coming into contact with. The average American knows people who are Hindu, who are Sikh, who are Buddhist. And so we are now again living in a culture that is moving away from monotheism back to polytheism. And again, this idea of the Shema is again radical. It is again countercultural. Hear, O Israel. There is one Lord. There is one God. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's interesting that the world that we're living in looks more and more like the world that Jesus lived in the world that Paul and Peter and the first apostles lived in. And so a lot of what we're trying to do as a missional church, we try to go back to Acts and we see that it doesn't look as much like it did in the 1500s to be a Christian as it looks like the very early church where there isn't just one dominant culture that is Christian. Like when our nation was founded, that was the one primary accepted religion of the United States. It's no longer that way. So we're faced with different worlds. And in this... Sorry. We're faced with this idea of secular versus sacred. And that Jesus makes claims to be Lord. 
God, Lord over everything. This word, secular, meaning non-sacred, apart from God, creates a dualism. This is a book that I'm reading right now, The Shaping of Things to Come by Frost and Hirsch. I don't often highlight, but this book was so good that I started reading and I tried reading Carrie several snippets. She said, you just need to highlight that book. And so I have been. Um, And it's all about the missional church. It's innovation and mission for the 21st century church. And as I'm reading it, it's like, oh, that's exactly what I've been thinking. Or, oh, that said so much better than I could have ever said it, but that's what I want to say. Um, So I want to read you the definition in the glossary about dualism. Dualism is the Greco-Roman assumption that the world is divided into two competing realms, the sacred versus the spiritual, and the profane versus the material. I'm sorry, the sacred or spiritual, profane or material. Such a worldview tends to assume that the spiritual is the higher plane and the material world is devoid of meaning and is simply to be escaped by those seeking spiritual maturity. Dualism leads to other such divisions in thinking, the division between the clergy and the laity, the church and the world, between spirituality and sexuality, between so-called religious practices and so-called profane ones. We believe such dualism undergirds virtually every tenet of the Christendom church and therefore undermines the tenets of the missional church. And so I would say that there is no such thing as dualism in the missional church. Where we don't see that there is a part where Jesus is Lord and there's a place where he's not. There's not a place where it's good and right to be spiritual and then a place where you shouldn't. The idea is that you are the same Aaron wherever you go. You have the same values, you have the same attitudes, you have the same actions and the same hearts and desire, no matter where you are. As opposed to, I come to church Sunday nights, and I do my spiritual thing, and then I live the rest of my life, the rest of my week, very different. Okay, that, that's, that's kind of the mindset. I, I grew up with a number of people um, in my very traditional Lutheran church it had some non-traditional elements but I grew up with parents that always went to the early service where we had the, the green book of worship and we sang hymns and we did the creeds and the confessions and and all those other things and there were people there who stayed until they got confirmed because that's what you did you as an American as a Lutheran you went to church until this point and then you left until you had a baby and you needed some place to have them baptized and there, there's this idea that that's okay. There's an idea where that's what's normal. And the sort of church that I want us to be, the collection of believers I want us to be, says there's no dualism that's appropriate here. If Jesus is Lord, He is Lord of all. There's this idea that there's no such thing as a kingsdom. If Jesus is really king of kings, that means in the area where Jesus reigns, there's no one else who is supreme. There's only one king. I like this passage. I'm going to skip the quote and go to this one. Romans 12, 1 and 2. You heard it read in the the New Living, but I love this in the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize 
what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This second section in this summer series on the missional church. The first one was about the nature of God, the nature of church. Here we're talking about principles. What does it look like? What are some of the building blocks to live this different sort of church way? This is the first one. The idea that there isn't a place where I can be Christian and a place where I can't. This is about all of us being shaped and formed to, be, to have integrity, to, to be one, to be integral, and on that, we build our spiritual practices. And so for, for me, that's part of the reason why we eat first. That's part of the reason why we do life together at the table the way that we do. To be reminded that this simple everyday action of consuming calories to power this body, this can be a spiritual thing. This physical action is also spiritual because we can't separate those two. Because I am committed to living my life for Christ every moment, every day. It's not that this is spiritual here when when I get to stand up front and talk about the Bible. And that isn't where we're at the table. That's not it. This is all spiritual. And this is all, all of our lives from sun up to sundown and the time in between everything that we do Jesus wants to say it every relationship that we have Jesus wants to say it it's not like oh no these are my Christian friends and these are the other people that I try to reach and with the good news it's like no it's I try to share the good news with everybody because that's who God is in me and so this may sound really, really basic, and you may already have this down. Good. This is one of the basic principles of what it means to be a missional Christian. That we don't live in an either-or world. It's all God all the time. It's our whole lives. Paul tells us that we are to give our lives as a living sacrifice holy that's W-H holy entirely pleasing to God that's our spiritual act of worship to do this the way Eugene Peterson says it take your everyday ordinary life your sleeping eating going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering everything that you do you give back to God and say okay what are you doing how do you want me to be a part of it how do I get to use the skills and gifts and desires I have to bless the world around me so starting with these first two questions and then we'll get to the homework are there any ways where you have viewed or even maybe still do the the world from the perspective of the secular slash sacred where there's a divide in your thinking is there any place where that is still the case any place where you can say okay this is when I thought that I've been 
struggling with that a lot, especially in my early adulthood, trying to figure out what religion or God or spirituality meant to me. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm coming much more into this non-dualism, but it's still there because that's that's what I saw growing up. So I feel like I don't have like a, a role model or someone to model myself after to really completely get away from I really liked the way he stated that having, you know, the world or your culture drag you down. I like I can still feel that mm-hmm. pull. And I guess I'm at a point where I can see it, I can kind of tell what's going on, but I don't have any idea what to do about it. Yes, I want to live that life for God and I want to figure out how to have my eating and sleeping and drinking and all that be for him. Mm-hmm. But I get the word, I have no idea how to live it. Yay! Anybody else feel that way? <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> and the, you, you expressed it so eloquently. And, and this is one of the things that I'm having a hard time with also, is I've never seen a church done the way we do church. And so I'm, I feel like I'm groping around in the dark. And that's, that's why I find a book like this. I say buy it. I say read it. It's fantastic. Um, if you want to see it afterwards, it'll be here. Because um, it's so refreshing to find people who say, you know what, I've, I've done church that way, and it gets old. And sometimes it feels fake. And I want something more. So thankfully you've stumbled upon this little group that says, okay, we, we're committed to doing it. And there, there are going to be some weeks where it feels like we just show up and we're there to be seen. And we're there to check off our religious box and then go back to our week. Those are going to be the bad weeks that we have and that's culture pulling us back down. But the goal is that somehow we say, okay, this is how my week felt more like this. That's why I asked the question. So where have you seen God throughout the week? It's because I want us to say, okay, that's the new normal for us. That's where I want us to pull into, and not many of us have really good role models for for that. And so what I want us to do is I want us to celebrate those times when you recognize that you did, (laughs) and you were, for that moment, for that hour, whatever it was, you were not living in a separated, dualistic world, saying, you know, I was really in the moment, and I heard God speak, and I acted on it, and it wasn't at church. (laughs) You know, it wasn't in the building, it wasn't in that normally religious space. And so you're, yeah, you're right on and you're not alone. What was well, that? I was trying to understand the question. <laughs> like I've heard English. But, you mean like, would the way you act in certain areas or around certain people be the divide? It could be. Then, yeah. Okay. Do you want to say more about that? What? Do you want to say more about that? Uh, who, who's, who's acting one way and one place and another? Um, and, and maybe what's the why underneath that? Why is it okay to act two different ways in two different places? Well, I guess to answer the second question, it, 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 it shouldn't be, there shouldn't be a difference, but you feel that there is a difference, especially like when you're hanging around like your peers compared to where you're hanging around like authority figures or adult figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I think, is partially... Don't hear me say it. I'm, I'm not calling you immature, but that that's the, the last line, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I think a sign of maturity is having increased or developed integrity where you are okay with who you are, no matter who's around you. I think that's where hypocrisy comes in. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's not necessarily intentional. It's just, you know, 
No, no, no. I, I, I was trying, trying to think. If he didn't, it would make the news, and it hasn't made the news yet. So. Right, right. Well, after all, he got, all he has to do is take the phone. True. Don't print that article. Yeah. But for me, it's just about, you know, you have to go ahead and try to really put things like, there's a big word there, in perspective. Okay? No matter what environment you're in, doesn't matter who you're with, as long as you have the intent. It doesn't mean you have to go out there wearing your, your white shirt, your black pants, and your tie carrying pamphlets. It just it just means that you have to come out there and just be, be a person you're dedicated to making yourself be. I would be a hypocrite saying that I'm like that all the time, because quite frankly, I share that I'm not. But I try. So, I mean, for the most part. There are times in my life where I know I slip. I can, yeah, I, can, yeah. I can totally name them. Yeah. But there are other times in my life where I know that I'm there. Yeah. For example, yesterday, there's this guy that I've known my whole life, almost his whole life. Mm-hmm. I was older than him. And man, I wanted to smack him. He's, he's, he's like my brother. But, but he, I've known him since he was seven. And yesterday, he had a couple of issues. And he's had some issues with his his uh, military failures, that's what he calls them. I don't look at it that way, but that's what he calls them. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he has some other thoughts. And it's like he's lost. So mm-hmm. that drives him into some... Self-destructive behaviors? Yeah, yeah. it's a very self-destructive. Mm-hmm. And so I had a conversation with him last night. It was just myself, my brother. You know, and it's just like, I felt the need to bring some things up at that point in time. And, you know, I think that that seems been fun. Because you know, he, my my brother and I are the only brothers he's had growing up, mm-hmm. and so if he looks at us a little differently, he talks to us about things he doesn't talk to us about. Mm-hmm. Granted, he needs to see somebody and be okay with that. Sure. But I mean, there are avenues I believe that I can show him that I'm going to show him yeah. as things move forward. And then the next breath, you know, there'll be times when I'm like, oh. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's just something, that's where the hypocrisy comes in. But the intent, I promise, is there. <laughs> it's just that, you know, you got to be mindful of it. And and the, I never even knew that this existed. That that verse there, when mm-hmm. I was sitting here and had an ADD moment next to Eric, I was like, wow, that's a great, that's a great verse. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, 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 that's great. And then, you know, because I, I didn't even know that existed. But that, right. really, that really sums up my my life as it is right now. Okay. I mean, honestly, because I, I was so taken back by that verse there. I was just like, wow, that is really impactful for me because it keeps you mindful of, you know what, you're not there. You're probably never going to be there, but you can always strive to be. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's what it's all about. Man. I mean, you guys have taught me that. Mm-hmm. You know? And I had seeds before this, but they weren't really growing because it wasn't in the right environment. So, like she said, this is the most authentic thing I've ever been to. So that's why it works so well. No, we are not 200 people strong putting on shows and putting money in there and lighting candles. We're not doing that. But, you know what? Everything here is pretty clear. There's nothing murky in the water here. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. What? That well, I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> but y'all are in here like, you know what I mean? You're not going up there being like, here's the show. Oh, by the way, yeah. you know, you know, five different signs before you kneel down and do aerobics. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, it's it's it is what it is, and, and I, it's very straightforward, very mm-hmm. clear, very very Christian quote for dozens of people to talk. Because it's very straightforward. The message is honest. It's clear. It's there. Mm-hmm. Everybody's here for everybody, and everybody picks everybody. It's not a show. Mm-hmm. You can honestly say. It's I think sometimes with my upbringing, and <coughs> I, I mean, I consider myself fortunate that we had a lot of really good leaders who, you know, taught us this. This isn't a Sunday thing. This isn't a, you know, 
But because of some of my, you know, I tend to sometimes feel like, I don't want to say more holier than thou, but sometimes that's kind of the way, well, I'm a Christian, so I don't do those things. And, you know, and I'm learning that that's not the way to approach things. Mm-hmm. And I was, okay, another little thing, because I have to take over baby steps, but um, my, our gym teacher at school, so I teach summer school, but she tore playing softball, and so she has step surgery, so she's going to step first maybe, anyway, somebody else is going to come, but anyway, I just, I don't know her that well, she's young, she's, you know, I, I'm the old lady in the school now, and I just feel very conscious of, like, I could be people's mother, it's just been a really rough couple of years, but um, I just said, I'll pray for a quick recovery, and I, shouldn't I, say, I I'm telling you, I looked at that email for a really long time, yes, and then she responded, thanks, I really appreciate that. And I thought, oh, now I'm glad I said it. But, you know, it's just, it's little things like that for me that it's like, okay, I'm not earlier. Just because I come from this background doesn't put me on a different level. And it's okay to, to mix, you know. You have to be careful not to conform, but it's okay. But that's, that's kind of some of the things that I'm more coming with. than we're looking at another really bad year. All right supposed to not be a really smooth transition this year at school. And so, you know, how does my faith play into that, into the conversations that I have with coworkers about sounding lost year and higher and without going into the stuff that women, I'm sorry, but women are especially good at. So, where do I fall in that? Or bad at, depending, yeah. Well, yeah. How do I approach, you know, how do I approach that as I'm going into Yeah, that, that's that's just another way that that dualism shows itself. It, it's not just a side by side division. It, it is a division one over the other. So we've already heard a little bit about the second half. Any thoughts about how those verses from Romans twelve one and two? Living your life as a living sacrifice. Not conforming any longer to the patterns of this world, but being renewed, having your mind renewed um, to have more God thoughts. How might that affect the way that you live your daily life? Absolutely. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then Jesus tacks on the Leviticus part of loving your neighbor as yourself. I tell you, if if that's if that were your mantra every day, multiple times throughout the day, like Jews were supposed to do, like Jesus was advocating. Because I, I, I love so much about that is that that's all on me. Loving God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay, that, that's about my attitude. It's not about what God is doing. It's not about what the other person is doing. Loving my neighbor as myself is about my acting. It's not about anything that my neighbor has done. And so just living out of that. Uh, there's a book called The Jesus Creed uh, where Scott McKnight um, breaks down that idea of living this way with that being our creed, that being the thing that we go back to. Because when Jesus was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? He responds with the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
so Scott McKnight's idea was, how about we just live this way? Everywhere, every day, with every person. Okay, so homework. Nice little segue. I'd love for you to do that this week. Meditate on the Shema. And the idea isn't that you just meditate and think about the words and get them memorized. Put your little red stone in the jar because you memorized Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. Um, you could. But ask God how you can faithfully... What, so what does that look like? And it's kind of combining the, the homework for, of the last couple of weeks of saying, okay, God, I really want to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But what does that look like? What does that mean? And asking God to help you specifically. And it could be with your friend. What does it look like for you to love this guy who you love like a brother, but he's screwing up and he's making bad life choices? What does it look like for you to really love him as you would want someone to love you or as you love yourself? And then the other part, based on Romans 12, 1 through 2, what sacrifice of worship will you offer up to God this week? And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn, how, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So what does a sacrifice of worship look like? Two homework assignments. We'll talk about that as we start. And just so you know, I would love to talk all night about just your homework. I've got other stuff that I can condense and say, well, here, it's in the the book, chapter 3, or whatever. But I want what we're talking about as we talk about the missional church. I want it to intersect with your life knowing that very few of us have spent much time in a church that looks like this and lives this out well. We're lacking models. So I want you to say, I did this this week. Does this line up? Or how could I have done this better? If you tried to and it felt like you really failed, say, okay, this is what I did. This is what I wanted to do. Do you think I came across okay? I would love for this to be that. Because if we really, truly love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves, it will make a difference in our lives, and it will make a difference in the lives of everyone that we touch. And that's why it's always been from the beginning, not just about this table, but about your tables. How are you loving your neighbors? And we'll start with the people who are easy to love, the people you already like, you already have over at your table, you already have connection with, we start there, but also know that we need to continue working on loving the others too. It's a lofty goal. But I'm excited that you guys are here and you're saying, I want to try this. I want to do it better. I want to do it differently. And I'm excited to figure out what that looks like at a corporate level, not just as an individual. Any closing thoughts or comments? Yeah. So I know this was way at the beginning and stuff when you asked us about it, when we were seeing God in the week or whatever, but mm-hmm. then I remembered one. Yeah. Um, I don't know about it, but we had all these uh, these bikes in our garage or whatever, and they're all, well, some of them were, some of them were broken or whatever, and we were kind of cleaning them up, so we put them out on the curb, and within like an hour of them being out there, this family came by and was like, so are you selling the bikes? Or are you just take them? Or are you just take them? And then turns out they take the bikes and they fix them up and then they donate them around Christmas time to people. So like they're just, it's 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 just, it's
That was her story, but I remembered it for her. <laughs> That's, that is cool. And that's 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 a great thing, and that's that's a God thing. That you know, it's doing something that you need to do in a way that blesses someone else, and figuring out how to live there. So I would say, you know, file that away because you are going to, or some of us this week are going to come into contact with people and say, "I've got this extra bike." Thinking about putting it up for sale on Craigslist. You say, "Don't." Are you willing to donate it? I know somebody. And that's, you know, one of the things that I love about this is that the church is no longer at the center of the universe because that's where God lives. We recognize that God is interacting in the world and there are all sorts of good people. Some of them are Jesus followers, some of them aren't. But there are so many people doing good and God-like things out there in the world. Our job is to see where God is doing those things and join them. We don't have to create all this good stuff. We just need to find the people who know what to do with the bike and say, I have a bike. Go bless somebody. That's awesome. Thanks. One of those other dualisms that I mentioned was the difference between clergy and laity. The idea that uh, the priest the pastor there up here and then everybody else barely down here. Because I'm the person who talks to God. And so I talk to you and you listen. That's also one of the things that I really want to flatten. And so no longer do I just bless you. We bless each other. So I invite you to stand and recite this or read it. In preparation also for your week, knowing that you might get to bless someone this way this week. If you know they need a good blessing and a prayer and you can't think of anything at the moment, have this memorized, have it on a card, read it to them, type it in an email, whatever you're going to do, but this is a fantastic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you peace. Have a great week. That's <laughs> not in there. Good. It is. It's right at the end. It should be. Uh, so.